Hello, everyone, and welcome to the In Faith series of podcasts. I'm your host, Daniel Didek, and this week we're doing something just a little bit different. I'm going to give you kind of a sneak preview of the upcoming season of Topics in Faith, where we're going to look at Jesus walking on water. Should be pretty fun, so let's dive in. Sorry, couldn't help myself with that one. Welcome to this week's episode. A little bit of a change up for us here. First of all, I hope you all had a very happy Thanksgiving. I had one with both my in-laws and with my family, and both of them were very excellent, very good food, good times had with everybody. So I hope it went as well as can be with yours. So that's why we were off last week. I ended up not, I did get some writing done, but was not able to spend as much time in the week doing things that I would normally do when I have kind of the full week to myself, as it were. And then this week, right on the day where I was supposed to record this week's episode, kind of came down with a little, just a general kind of malaise, I guess. This was not really feeling well. Tuesday night, Wednesday night. And so I kind of knew that it was going to be difficult to record a full-length episode um, on Thursday and then try to edit all of it on Friday and release it. But I didn't want to leave you guys hanging for a whole other week. So what I thought I would do is kind of jump ahead a little bit and do one of the uh, the Topics in Faith episodes. So this should be a little more off the cuff. The editing is not going to be as precise, I guess, as when I do the Old Testament in Faith. And the point being that I can kind of record and release episodes a little bit faster. The idea was that even if I go back to work, we should still be able to come out with one of these every week. So there's going to be sort of a test drive for me as well to see how quickly I can record and then edit together an episode. Today's topic is one that I've kind of been excited about for a while. And uh, it's a little bit different take on Jesus walking on water than at least what I have heard in my Christian life. And so to start us off looking at this topic, I want to ask you a question. And it's going to sound like the lead-in to a joke. And that question is, why did Jesus cross the lake? Why did Jesus walk on water? We could ask. And we look at most of the miracles that Jesus did during his time here on earth had been done before to one degree or another. We have exact replicas where there had been healing and raising people from the dead in the Old Testament. Um, we can look at Jesus' feeding of the of the thousands. There's two miracles of feeding 5,000, feeding 4,000. And in a very similar vein, there's the widow of Zarephath who fed herself and her son and Elijah from one jar of oil and one jar of flour that every time she went to use it, it was replenished as they had basically this unlimited supply of food-making material. So the the idea of multiplying a small amount of food to feed a large amount of people is kind of explicit <laughs> in both those miracles. So both those were the same. There's other miracles where there might not be a one-to-one comparison, Old Testament to New Testament, but the authority over the thing where the miracle happened is. And we can look at when Jesus turned the water into wine, there's also the miracle of Elisha taking a pot of stew that had been poisoned and making it not poisonous anymore. And so it's still this like this um, this changing of one type of thing into another. And then the man who's been blind from birth, you know, in that story, they say that, you know, no one has ever heard of anyone being cured of blindness, that they'd been blind since birth. But there is also the story of Elisha causing blindness to this army that that they had captured 
and then curing it later on. And so we still see the miraculous power of God in both of these things. So the miracle that Jesus did during his time was not brand new. The extent to which he did it was unprecedented. There's no one before in any of uh, any of the, the history in the Bible where someone did as many miracles as he did. So that's, I'm not arguing that, but as far as like the types of miracles he did, there, you can tend to find a similar miracle performed in the Old Testament. But then Jesus walking on the water had never been done before. And outside of Peter has never been done since, at least not that I've heard. And so why is this? And we can look at throughout the Old Testament, there was many times when water bodies were crossed, but never crossed in this way. The most famous, of course, is the Israelites passing through the Red Sea, thanks to the movie, The Ten Commandments, and it being a very popular story in children's Bibles. We all know about that one. Um, but there's also the Israelites crossing the Jordan when they went to finally actually cross into the promised land and attack Jericho. It was a similar sort of thing, but where the, the Levites went down first, the Jordan River parted, and the Israelites were able to cross over on dry land. And then later, that was in Joshua 3 that that happens. Um, and then in 2 Kings 2 verse 8, Elijah crosses the Jordan where he takes his his cloak off and rolls it up and smacks the water with it. And the water parts and he walks through on dry land. And then a couple of verses later, Elisha is on his way back across the Jordan and does the same thing. He says, where, where now is the God of Elijah? Smacks the water with a rolled up robe. The waters part and he walks across on dry land. So any other time that people needed to get across a, a body of water, they did it. Even in the miraculous cases where they did it, it was still, they did not walk on the water. So why, why this miracle? Why did Jesus do this? And the first clue we see comes in the accounting of Mark. Uh, chapter 6, verse 48 says, He saw the disciples, speaking of Jesus, straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Shortly before dawn, he went out to them walking on the lake. He was about to pass by them. Now, interestingly, this is the only account where it says this. The other gospels that have this, um, that record this miracle, he just comes straight to the boat. But this one, he says he was about to pass them by, which is interesting. So it, it indicates that he was not initially heading for them. So I want us to kind of to paint this picture of, of imagining this evening where this miracle occurs. And we can look uh, in the verses leading kind of up to that in Mark chapter 6, verses 45 and 46. It says, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. This is after the time that he fed the 5,000. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. So he sends them off. They get in their boats. They start going across the lake. He dismisses the crowd. He goes up on the mountainside to pray. Now, if we fast forward in events, we can look at the book of John. Chapter 6, 22 says, the next day, the crowd that had stayed on the opposite shore of the lake realized that only one boat had been there and that Jesus had not entered it with his disciples, but that they had gone away alone. So we know from that, that when Jesus sent them away, that was the only boat there. So Jesus is on land by himself. He dismisses the crowd. There's no way for him to get across the lake, at least not right now. Back to Mark chapter 6, and then we pick back up where we left off with verses 47 and 48. Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and he was alone on land. The crowds are gone. There's no boats else there for him to get into. 
And he saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. So Jesus is there. The disciples are in trouble. There's no other boats. There's no way for him to get to where they are. And there's really, at that point, no other way for him to get across the lake. And so we come back to the question, why did Jesus cross the lake? The answer, just like the joke, is to get to the other side. Now, he clearly paused on his way to help the disciples when they, in this accounting of of Mark, as he's about to pass them by, they see him, think he's a ghost, cry out to him, and then he comes to them and saves them from their predicament. But I'm also imagining, and this is not recorded in the Bible, but again, just imagining the scenario where these things are taking place, that Jesus is up there on the mountainside, he's spending time with the Father. And I can imagine in prayer that God tells, the Father tells his son, go to the other side. Jesus knew that there wasn't another boat to take him, but he also knew his father's command. He knew that he saw the disciples were in trouble. He knew the father's concern about keeping them safe. He says in a prayer later that he had not lost any of the ones that God had set aside for him, except for the one doomed to destruction. And so he knew the only way to get out there was to walk. He knew his father's command and stepped confidently onto the water. Now, I feel like I want to talk about this topic because it's being particularly relevant to me and my wife and our current life season where we know the command. Anyone else would say, if you go out there, you're going to sink. If you try to walk on that water, you're going to sink. But we know the command. And in other accountings, when Jesus approached the boat, Peter said, Lord, if it's you, ask me to come out to you on the water. And Jesus said, come. And Peter stepped out. And at least for a little bit, he was able to walk on the water as well. That was the only time the miracle was repeated was at the same time Jesus was doing it. Peter was able to do it well for a time, but then he took his eyes off of Jesus and looked at the wind and the waves and he began to sink. If you've been kind of in church or in the Bible for a while, you, you know, you are probably familiar with this story from the standpoint of teaching that, you know, we have to keep our eyes on Jesus. As soon as you start to look at all the troubles, all the wind and the waves, you're going to start sinking. And it's very true. And Jesus could have done the same thing. But he knew what he needed to do. He knew what he was called to do. And there's a time years and years ago where I felt like God was telling me to do something that I didn't see. I knew there'd be a lot of obstacles to obeying his command. And he said to me very chidingly, I will never ask you to do something that can't be done. Whether it's, I mean, I'm not saying under my power or not. It's always under his power. But he doesn't taunt us that way and he doesn't tempt us that way to command our obedience to do something that that cannot be done. And so no matter how impossible it seems, no matter how, again, the world might look at it and say, that's not how you do it. You can't do that. Now I do want to implore you, don't just take your wildest idea and pursue it because it, you think it'll feel good or because it'll be awesome. It has to be only in response to God's command. But if you do, if he has commanded you, if he has called you, no matter if it's to walk across the water, to get to the other side of the lake, he will uphold you, not surface tension. I hope this has been encouraging and helpful. I haven't yet come up with a sign-off <laughs> for this series. Usually it's keep the faith and keep it something. So I'll come up with one of those before we get into season three, full swing. So next week... Back into Genesis, I have the, the episode scripted, so I just need to record it and then edit it and put it together. So that will be coming to you next weekend. We're going through three chapters of the book of Genesis. 
and sort of bridging our way into the more familiar stories of Joseph. So until then, keep the faith. I'll talk to you then. Thank you.